0: Thanks for listening to the Community Bible Church Sermon Podcast. Pastor Dan Strutz here. Our desire is to connect people with Christ and community. For more info or to contact us, please visit cbcmountainlake.com. Well, good morning. And uh, this morning we are, are here to gather to worship, to hear from God's Word, and uh, this message actually is uh, on prayer. And so this morning, as we're thinking about that, I think we can all be prayerful or thankful for uh, really nice shovels and the engineers that design snowblowers and, as Bob said, those that make four-wheel drive. Uh, I'm glad you guys are here in the midst of the snow and, uh, and on a day like today. That we can gather and, and come together as God's family. Uh, especially because we're in this message that, as you'll see, um, we're, we're talking about the, the membership, the family of God, the, the church family together. A member of the family, there it is. And today we're talking about prayer in the house of God. So this morning as we gather, uh, I want to start off just with prayer and thank God for uh, His gathering us and that we can learn from Him as we've already rejoiced in Him that we can be thankful for all that we have here this morning. So will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you this morning that we can gather and worship and praise you. We can declare that, as we sang earlier, that knowing you is the greatest thing. We thank you that this morning that we can come before you and know that in this moment, even now, as we pray, we come before you ourselves in your presence and ask our hearts to be inclined towards you that we can hear from your word and think what prayer means for us together god we know that it's because of jesus's work that this is possible And spirit it's because of you working even now that we are able to pray and know what to pray so lord may you use my words this morning to help us to encourage us to bring us closer to truth in you. And what is not of you, may it disappear. Father, this morning we praise you and thank you in your name. Amen. So we're in this series on membership and uh, talking about the the membership in in terms of the family and how the church family becomes, uh, or the church body becomes a family, uh, a group together. And we've talked about that over the past bunch of weeks. Uh, just to refresh where we've been, we've talked about it as as far as this formal relationship that can be between uh, the church per, through individuals coming to a church and saying, "I want to be part of the body," and, and then from there, saying, uh, "Help me to grow in my discipleship," and I want to walk in, in my faith with the Lord, and, and and coming to the body and saying, "Help me grow in that." We've started to look at it, is it even biblical this idea of membership and. I made a case, or tried to at least, through the word, to say yes, I believe it is. And then we started to look at other things, like membership requires, or is asked, according to Paul's letter to the Ephesians, that it means being committed and being a contributor. And then, as we came to last week, we started to look at what are some of the aspects, what are some of the characteristics of being a church member, a part of the family. One of them last week we talked about was being biblically shaped. Being in God's Word and being shaped by the voice of God, hearing it so that when we come together and as we're gathering together, we're thinking in terms of the Scripture, and that's what's shaping us so that we're encouraging each other in that. And this morning is the flip side. God gives us His Word, and we are responsive through prayer. We respond back through prayer to God and what He's done for us. So this morning, I want to challenge us to think about being a good, healthy church member in the fact that we are praying, that we are thinking about God, and and continuing in prayer. All these things that we're talking about in church, ter- fan- in terms of the the church body and the family and and the church structure. What I, I, as I thought about this and what it means, or or kind of wanted to come with an illustration is, I was thinking about this. House that we've worked on, Suzanne and I, and others with us. And one of the projects that we took on was the plumbing. I don't know much about plumbing, or I didn't before I started. I tore out all all the copper, and I said, "I'm going to do this. I'm going to put in this new plumbing." And I did. I, I put together all the all the plastic pieces and, and the the joints and everything that that needed to come. But what needs to be known about plumbing is truly it's just plastic tube until you do what? You go down and you turn on that main water supply valve from the city, right? Until you actually have water running through to its source, to the end of where it belongs. It's just piping. And so it is with all these things in terms of as we're talking about God's family, we're talking about looking at our scripture, we're talking about prayer, we're talking about the, the church body and, and, and our Sunday morning services and everything that we do as a church together, if it's not going to the source of living water, if we're not turning on the source of living water by going and putting ourselves before God, it's just piping. So this morning as I'm challenging us to be healthy church members, people that are walking with God and encouraging each other, the need for prayer is a must. So I want us to become more and more daily prayer warriors, and not just prayer warriors, but also prayer uh, warriors for each other, for our church family, wanting each other to grow up. And So this message is on prayer. A disclaimer is I'm not going to cover everything on prayer. That could be like a couple months long series. And I would say even more what the goal here is for us to be thinking about what does it look like together to pray? What does it look like when we gather? Or what does it look to be praying for each other as a family? So this morning's title is Prayer in the House of God. And the passage I want to take us to is Isaiah 56. So if you'd open your Bibles up to Isaiah 56, we're going to look at verses 1 through 8. Verses 1 through 8. And the page number, if you're looking that up in the Pew Bible, is going to be on 522. Now before I read the passage, we're going to hear a very familiar line regarding prayer. We're going to hear this line that Isaiah brings forward about God's house being a house of prayer. And that's what I want to major on or get towards through this message And we know that probably more, that that term, more so from when Jesus quotes it in the New Testament three times in three different Gospels. We hear Jesus quote it later on, but it actually is founded, the initial place that it's founded and spoke of is in Isaiah. And so that's where we're going to read this morning and kind of leap out of that for our, our, our message today. So Isaiah 56, Isaiah is speaking and he says this, Thus says the Lord, meaning these are God's words, Keep justice and do righteousness, for soon my salvation will come, and my righteousness be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this, and the son of man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, to the eunuch who keeps my Sabbaths, who ki- chooses the things that please me and holds fast my covenant, I will give it, give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that should not be cut off. And the foreigner who joins themselves to the Lord... to to minister to Him and to love the name of the Lord, to be His servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant. These I will bring into my holy mountain to make them joyful in my house of prayer. The, their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. Isaiah's word this morning for us. Now Isaiah, we haven't studied it, we haven't thought about it. It can be a pretty daunting book of 66 chapters. And I will... Give a foreshadowing, we're actually going to look at this book a bit more after Easter and in the summer And, and kind of try to piece some things together and learn from Isaiah what he would have for us But for today, you're coming into it kind of blind You're coming into it not really being familiar with this book, right? So where where, where are we at when we get to chapter 56? It's a good question to ask, what's the context? What's What's going on in this passage as we lift it up and read those passages? I'll give you some just things for food for thought or things to think about in this book. Isaiah's book fits into three major categories, three sections. The first has to do with the king. It has to do with God's king over his people. And at that time, the people are not walking with him. The second section has to do with the servant, the the suffering servant even. And at that time, it starts to talk about what, what God will do to bring his people back from their bondage. Back from exile, including Israel and also his later people. The third section is about the conqueror, the conquering king, the one who will reign, the one who is who will reign forever, and him rebuilding his kingdom. So the king, the servant, and the conquering king, those are the three sections. So where does our passage fit in this morning? Where does our passage fit into that? It actually fits right at the beginning. This is the very first chapter of the third section. The conquering king, the one who is, who is reigning, the one who has done the work of the suffering servant. And so before it, in, in the passages before what we just read, uh, including verse, chapters 49 through 55, the, the Isaiah, he's talking about the suffering servant, the servant king, who is going to go and do something great for his people to bring them back from exile, from their bondage. Those, that section is where we get the imagery in chapter 53, those famous words, those verses where we know we are here about the one that will come where it says, he, will, he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And in that passage in chapter 53, that starts to talk about what Jesus is going to do, or, or what the, the one who will come, the king who will come and serve his people, what he will do. That's important for us to think about as we get to chapter 56. Because what Isaiah is saying is, that servant king, he's going to come, he's going to do something for his people, and then by the time we get to 56, after that work is done, now we're sitting here saying, now what? What? And Isaiah speaks of, I'm going to rebuild. I'm going to build up my kingdom. I'm going to build up my temple again. When we get to 56, when he starts talking about the house of prayer, the the house of God, what we should know again is that the house at that time was absolutely in ruins. It was a disaster. There was no house of God. So as Isaiah starts to talk in 56 about the house of God, it's met with anticipation. Those people who, have, who are walking with and hearing Isaiah's words, they're like, yes, let's build that house again. Let's, let's go and find that house of prayer because right now we don't have anything. And so at this point we see Isaiah starting to talk about God saying, keep justice, do righteousness, for soon salvation will come. My righteousness be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this, and the Son of man who holds fast, who keeps my Sabbath, not profaning it and keeping his hand from doing evil. He's saying, "Blessed is the one who's going to do these things. If you can do these things, then you're going to find yourself building this house, and you're going to find yourself uh, in, in a place where you find the house of prayer, where God comes and dwells with man again what they would have looked forward to. But we know through the Bible storyline that that never happened, did it? Israel's leaders, they kept on screwing up. They, They were never able to follow quite the same. And God never showed up at his temple over the next several hundred years after Isaiah. That this house of prayer that Isaiah is saying will come, it never came to be. Yes, there was a physical building. But God never showed up. And and, and there, in and, and that place, it wasn't... They could come, but they weren't actually meeting with God. They weren't connecting with God at that temple in the way that it had been in the past. Until Jesus shows up, right? Jesus shows up in the temple during his time. And in three separate Gospels, we get Jesus... Uh, Going into the temple and quoting this verse, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples, all nations. And it's at that time where God, if we believe that Jesus was God in the flesh, and Jesus was was God Himself, then it was at that time where God showed up. It was there in the temple where finally, finally, God's people could go and be with God at the temple. But throughout the rest of Jesus' time, we start to see Jesus isn't thinking about the building. He starts to refer to the temple as himself. He talks about tearing down the temple, and I will build it up in three days. And he's starting to refer to himself, I am the temple, I am the temple, I am the house of prayer. And and to Peter, when we read in Peter's book, we start to see even Peter saying, we now are becoming the temple, which Christ is the cornerstone, the foundation, the building block, on which we're built up. So when we start to look at this big picture of what's going on, and, and this idea that Isaiah starts about the house of prayer, and, and that people go to this to a temple to meet with God and, and to find prayer there, what we start to see in Jesus' day is that it's not a building that we go to, but it's Christ. And it's much more, it's not just Christ, but it's His bride, the Church in whom we go to and and pray, because that's where God dwells among man, now in the bride of Christ, his family, the local church. So this morning, as we're thinking about this house of prayer, prayer in the house of God, what I want us to think about is Isaiah spoke some great things about the house of God. But by the time Jesus showed up, he wasn't thinking about a physical temple, and he wasn't thinking about uh, a building so much as he was talking about people joining together. Which is why I want us to see that prayer within the membership of God's people is so important. Not just that we're doing prayer, not just that we're praying, but that we're actually embodying prayer, that we ourselves are becoming a, qual- quantitative, a qualitative aspect of prayer, that that is what defines us and, and what we are doing as members, praying people. <laughs> Which leads us to some questions. First off is what must we remember about prayer? What must we know about prayer as members? What must we be reminded of as we're thinking about this? First, we need to define it, and that's not up on the slide, but first I think before we get into any of the points that I have listed out here, I, I want to just pause and define prayer a little bit. Prayer, if we have to just water it down and just go bare bones with it. Prayer is not when I do this with my hands or when I close my eyes and I bow my head. It's not me making verbal things to God alone. What I would say is the, the bare definition of prayer, what God would want is for, is for us to understand it to be the posture and the intent of going to God, to being in the presence of God. Think back to all these ideas of the temple. That when we read in Isaiah that my house shall be a house of prayer, it's that people will go there, why? To meet with God. It's it's the aspect of going towards God and and being in His presence. So prayer is not just words we say or things we request of God, but it's actually in our heart posture, it's going before God the lord who created everything and i would say actually this is even what we see throughout all religions all peoples that there's a desire to go to something there's a desire to worship and pray and go before a god all religions pretty much have that aspect where they go to something they go to a god unfortunately because of sin oftentimes it's not the god, it's other gods. Some of us might be serving idols. And so our prayer is to go and pray before social media and go and worship there and pray and say, what, what can I learn and what can I add to the conversation because social media is my god? Or my job is my God, so I need to go to my job and I become a workaholic because I, I'm going and I'm, I'm praying and spending time with my job. I'm praying to that God. There could be a host of other things. So the question is, what are we praying to? What are we defining prayer? Or are we just saying prayer is just a time when I take a five-minute break out of my day, before a meal, or or maybe what I say before I go to bed. No, I, I think much more. Prayer is going in a posture in all things before God. So with that remembered, now we can go to some things that we need to remember about prayer. The first is that prayer is God's intention. Prayer is God's intention. Go all the way back to the Garden of Eden go all the way back to Adam and Eve, we could ask ourselves, did Adam and Eve pray? Some might disagree with the the wording of it, but if prayer is going and being with God, if prayer is us approaching a God who we're separated by sin by, I, I would say for Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, before sin was happening, and when God designed man to be in relationship with him, Adam and Eve were constantly in a state of what we might say is prayer. They were constantly before God. They were with God. They communicated with Him. They shared what was on their heart. They heard from Him. They were relating with the Creator God. They were in this state of prayer. Until we know sin happened, it was broken, and then it isn't until later on, their son Seth, where it starts to say that people started to call out to the name of the Lord. And we see God throughout the Old Testament relating and coming to his people and them in prayer going back before him Abraham, Moses different guys, David throughout the faith they go to God in, a, in an attitude of prayer in a heart before God and they want to seek God as their God God intended all the way from the beginning from Adam that people should go to him and be with him and commune and fellowship in prayer with him all the way back to our first father Adam. But because of sin, we're separated from that. So we need to remember a second thing about prayer. Prayer is a grace. Prayer is a grace. But we need to be reminded as we're thinking as a church about prayer and going before God. What we need to remember most of all is that we don't deserve going before God. We don't deserve his, his, his approaching us and us being able to approach Him because of our brokenness. A holy God can't have sinners in front of Him. And so by grace, through Christ, now we know in faith in Him we have the grace that we can go before the Father and we can go in prayer and have fellowship again in prayer before our great God. Thirdly, Prayer is us drawing towards God. Prayer is us drawing towards God. And I've kind of said this already, but we need to remember that prayer isn't so much just the words we say, but it has more to do with our heart posture. And are we saying, I am drawing close to my Heavenly Father. I think of the Lord's Prayer, and I think, Father, who art in Heaven, God up there, hallowed be your name. We're, we're entering into our Father's presence, but He's a holy God, a great God, and we need to keep that in mind, that as we're drawing to Him, we've got to keep in mind, who are we drawing to? Who are we coming before? Before we just blurt out a bunch of things. And fourth, we need to remember, and this is important, I think, for this idea of membership, is that prayer is for the gathered people. The prayer is for God's gathered people. This is important for us because oftentimes in our highly individualistic culture, in our our place where where we we like to do things on our own and we like to be independent, and, and we start to think that my salvation is my own and it's just about me, that we start to say my prayer is just me going to God. But if we look through Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, What we see is prayer and the people drawing to God has a lot to do with gathering together as a body, as a bunch of people. It's not individualistic. Yes, there are cases where that's true, but in in all, a lot of times the people are gathering together at the temple. They're gathering together and they're having a a priest take a sacrifice and give that to God. And and the, the priest is going before God, who is now, we could say, even Christ, our priest, who goes before God for us. And we gather in prayer together. Prayer is not just an individual thing. In the New Testament in Acts, we see them dedicating themselves to prayer and gathering for prayer. And all these people in the new church, they're gathering as the house of God now to pray. It's who they are, the church. And I think we can remind ourselves again, the plumbing we can set up church, we can do a bunch of things, but if we're not going at it in prayer, if we're not bringing that in and saying, in all that we do, if we come here and we sing a song and we, we gather and we have a cookie out there or we, we do whatever and, and we're, we're going about this morning but we're not in a state of prayer and we're not praying together, it's just piping, it's not living water, right? We aren't drawing towards God. It's something else. There's a danger in man-focused prayer. There's a danger in man-focused prayer, and that's a slide a couple from now. Uh, There's a danger in missing it, in missing the aspect of prayer being where we draw close to God. The people of god in isaiah's day they hear these words and they hear god say or god say to them draw close uh, to me make my house a house of prayer make it where i am known and you're drawing to me and all you got to do is be righteous and 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 walk with me and all these good things that isaiah puts forward but if you were to read on in the rest of the passage, and you read on in the passages ahead, the, the problem is is that the leaders of God's people, they're really not focused on actually truly at a heart level worshiping God. They'd rather just think about themselves. They mismanage the people even in Isaiah's day. They, they don't do rightly and the same problem is the case that when Jesus shows up, what what's the context of when Jesus shows up and says, shouldn't my house be a house of prayer? And he flips over the tables. They've worried more about the offering system, but they haven't worried about offering themselves. In Mark's gospel, that place where jesus says is it not written my house shall be called a house of prayer that passage is surrounded by this topic of a fig tree that becomes withered and dies and is fruitless and that connects in with Jesus' temple when he starts to talk about the fact that that jesus already has has knows that the temple in his own day the supposed house of prayer isn't producing anything. And in the fig tree discussion, he turns to Peter and he says, make sure you pray with faith. Believe in God. Look after him so that you are not like the temple, so that you are not like the fig tree not producing fruit. He's going after this idea of if you are not going in prayer, if you're not thinking about God and what God's will is, and you're not walking with him, you're going to become fruitless. And not only for ourselves, but for the church, that's a good reminder. That if our prayers are primarily about my will, if they're primarily about my needs and thinking about me or we, rather than thinking about what God's will is and what God has asked us to pray, we start to pray inwardly rather than looking outward. And it's a fruitless prayer. A prayer that I think God doesn't hear. And I think for the house of worship, for the house of God, the the place where we gather now as the body together, God says, make sure your prayer is done rightly. So the next question we have to ask is, how should we pray? How should we pray? As members, as people of God, as people of this church, how should we pray, especially in the context of the body? The first thing that I want to note is that we need to pray constantly. Paul says a lot about this. Just for example, 1 Thessalonians 5, he says, pray without ceasing. In Colossians, he again says, continue steadfastly in prayer. And that that scripture is in your text for this week, in your Bible readings. Continue steadfastly in prayer, watchful in it with thanksgiving. He's encouraging people to always be in prayer because... Paul believes that we are the house of prayer. We are the house of God where prayer is supposed to happen, where people are supposed to be gathered. And even when we're on our own, when we're by ourselves, we should constantly be thinking, how can I be praying? How can I be thinking not just about God? That's, that's obviously a big part of it, but also just listening to him and saying, God, what, what do you want me to pray for? What do you want me to be thinking about? What can I be praying for at this moment? for my church for my church members for those around me second I think we need to remember to pray in the spirit not only should we be constantly thinking and and constantly going before God in a posture of drawing close to God and asking Him, God what, what is it that you want from me how can I worship you in this moment but we also need to be praying in the spirit because I think at times we're like I have no idea what to pray for right now I have no idea what you want me to pray for. Paul says in Romans, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit helps intercede for us with groanings too deep for words. That not only do we want to be drawing close to God all the time, but we say, even when we don't know how or we don't know what to say, we're saying, God, I believe, I believe it's true that your spirit comes and dwells with me and it dwells with us as a church body. Help us to know what to pray for. Enliven our minds to what we need to pray for. And when we don't know the words, we leave it up to you. I was thinking in terms of these first two Praying constantly and carrying in the Spirit. Just try me this week on this idea. If you're driving around, just ask the God. Ask God, God, I'm supposed to pray to you all the time, or I'm supposed to draw near to you. What what can I be praying to you now for? And and listen to the Spirit, and listen to who He might put. I'm, I'm thinking in terms of people that might be here. Who might, God, you put on my heart? I was thinking about that this morning. And there were a couple of you that came up in my mind. I said, okay, I'm going to pray for them. Don't know what to pray for. But I'm going to pray, Spirit, that you know this person's need. You know what they need right now. Walk with them, Lord. Increase your body. Make your body, your members, stronger and healthier and desiring you. We don't know what to pray. Another tool to use, and this is a third one here, is to use the Scriptures. Use the Scriptures. Last week I talked about being informed, informed by the Scriptures, informed by, by God's Word. I, I think that that's a good reminder. Last week I said the words, when we're encouraged, trying to encourage each other, use the Word, not use our own words. And I think as we're praying, whether for others or or just praying to God, one of the best tools we have is this book right here. God, I don't know what to pray for right now, but I'm going to open your word and listen to it. And it says X, Y, and Z. And I'm going to say, yes, that's true about you. Or yes, I believe that to be true. Or or, or, I want to follow those promises that you have given, especially in a book like Psalms. Praying through those Psalms. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Lord, I'm going through a valley of shadow evil right now. I'm going through a valley right now. Walk with me. Or, or God, whoever's in our church, in our, in our body, around me, that might be walking through the valley, walk with them right now. We use the scriptures to inform our prayers. To strengthen them. Next, we should be praying throughout the week when we're not here. We we pray throughout our days when we're going when we're apart, and and that's uh, to be part of the body. We we want to be walking in in prayers throughout the week, so that when we gather together, we're stronger. So throughout the week, we should be praying and walking with God, so that we're equipped for the body, and we're we're constantly going before God. And finally, we should pray. How should we pray? We should pray when we're gathered. We should pray when we're gathered, and I'm not just talking about in here when we gather as a group, but we should be praying out in the fellowship hall or in the, in the hallway out there, and, and we should be praying when we gather in small groups uh, together and, and be encouraging each other with prayer. I got a report from one of the churches in our conference, and I love that their motto, and, and I, would, I probably would steal this one if I could, Their motto that they're trying to use in their church amongst each other is, pray now. Meaning that if something comes up, if they hear what's going on and a concern that's going on, they say, let's not just say, oh, I'll pray for you later, but say, let me pray for you right now. When we're gathered as the house of prayer, as God's people to worship him. Let's draw to God together. found a quote in my reading this week also that talked about this idea. It said, In the same way, if the church is a body, which we've talked about week after week over the past few weeks, if we are a body that is to be strengthened together and grow together, each part must be active. They go on to say, when the congregation listens to a sermon, they are not being entertained, they are being equipped. When the congregation sings, we are not expressing ourselves, it's not our emotion coming out, but we're singing to each other. When the offering paid is passed, we're not just giving to the church, we're giving to sustain the gospel ministry to our church and to other churches. And so it is when we pray. When we pray as a church, we do it all collectively. When someone leads the congregation in prayer, we don't just watch, we don't just listen, we pray with them. And that's that our hearts are drawing together, praying and drawing before our Heavenly Father who has united us through His gospel. Practically speaking, if we are to be the house of prayer, we should ask this last question. Who should members be praying for? Who should we be praying for? And I have four categories of people to pray for within the body, within the membership, within the family. There's a lot more things we can be praying for, of course. But I just wanted us to think about these within our family. First off, and this is the one that sounds really selfish, pray for yourself pray for yourself. Now that sounds self-seeking. That sounds self like like wait, you're telling me to pray for all the others, but now you're telling me to pray for myself. What do you mean by that? If your prayers for yourself have to do with just make my life more comfortable or make sure this happens or this happens, I think that's not what I'm talking about. What I am talking about is praying for yourself is going before the Lord and saying, "God, get my heart right." Lord, get my heart right. And this is where the, the common uh, prayer uh, protocol or the prayer uh, acronym that they have of ACTS where it talks about adoring God, confessing your sin, thanking God for what He's given, and then asking Him for your need. Praying for ourselves needs to be more than just saying what my needs are, but it has to be adoring God and saying, God, I love that you are fill in the blank. God, I am thankful that you have done this for me. Lord, I am confessing that I am a broken sinner, that I need you, thanking them for the things in our life. And I think these things get our heart right for us to pray correctly, praying for ourselves, so that we don't have unconfessed sin in our life, and that our heart is looking at God before we pray for our brothers and sisters. To pray for pray for and with your pastors and leaders, pray for and with pastors and leaders and i 'm not just doing this, I love your prayers, but i 'm not just doing this to ask for them I think the idea of of all that we do and, and, and worship and shepherding the body and, and leading the church we need prayer, I need prayer, other pastors need prayer, and so as you 're praying and you 're thinking about. Who should I pray for in my family? Pray for those who are leading and making decisions. Those who are even leading worship like these ladies are doing. Pray for them that their hearts be right as they're leading us into song. Pray for the Sunday school teachers that they're thinking rightly as they teach a Sunday school lesson to preschoolers. Thirdly, pray for for and with other church members. I've talked about this in other places, but pray for those who are here. Pray for, look in the aisle around you. Look here now. Who's here next to you? How can you grab them and pray for them and say, I need to pray for you? And maybe we don't know what to pray for. Maybe you need to ask. But pray for other church members that are here. Encourage them. If they're truly part of the body and you need them, you want to see them grow. And so we want to pray and encourage them to draw near and sharpen each other in our prayers. And finally, Finally we have to pray for those who are not here yet. Pray for those who are not here yet. I'm not talking about the good people in the good Sam while I would put them in the last category. Pray for those who are church members. What I' am talking about here is praying for those who don't know yet know Jesus. Praying for those who are lost, like sheep without a shepherd. Pray for those who who are neighbors and our classmates and our co-workers that need the love and the gospel message of Christ. Pray for them that they would come to know the saving faith in Christ. Going back to Isaiah. If we see ourselves as the house of prayer, the place where God's, presence is the place where god we meet with god and and god is with us in the form of the spirit what is really interesting and and we see that in the new testament is when isaiah in chapter 56 starts to talk about two guys he starts to talk about two guys who are they the foreigner and the eunuch he he starts to talk about them in terms of them finding a place in god's house that they are drawing to God's place and they're sitting there asking myself, do I have a, do I have a place in this home? Do I belong at the house of God? Do I, do I have an inheritance with the people of God? They're outsiders and they're not supposed to be part of the house of God. But yet the house of prayer is a place for them, for them to draw in, for them to be here. And I think as we're praying, as we are taking on the quality of being a house for God, as we are taking on this aspect, we need to say, who is it that I'm praying for that's sitting there asking, do I belong, do I have a father that loves me? So that we are showing off, this is where God's presence is. That they can draw near. That they can hear the gospel. That they can be brought in. That they can hear those, that same message. Praying for those that are not here yet. If we go back to that slide and you look at those categories one more time, we can do that. Look at those categories again. Pray for yourself. Pray for your pastors and leaders. Pray for other church members. It's easy for us as a church to do those first three and to think in terms of those categories. But if we're just doing that, if we're just doing those things, we're just a glorified country club. We're just thinking about ourselves. And we need to make sure that our prayer, as I thought about this, it needs to be outside as well. We need to be saying, God, who is it that's not here yet that you want to be brought into this family? So as we think about it, Isaiah says that my house will be called a house of prayer. Jesus says it, and he's referring to himself, and from there, he is this cornerstone of the house of prayer, which is built up, the temple of God, which we are now a part of. And so if we're doing anything at all as members of the body, if you want to be a healthy member, prayer is a must. It's a must. so as we close out today, we're going to be singing a song in a little bit, the servant song, and we're talking about serving each other and hearing from God and walking with him. But I think I'm reminded first that this all happens, that this all comes down to the fact that it was first Christ who served us that we model, that it was Christ who was the suffering servant in Isaiah that did the work necessary so that we could be included and drawn near to the house of God and so that now we can be drawn into our God so that we have the grace of prayer, that we have a place with God, that He hears us. So as we're thinking, how do I serve those around me? How do I pray for those around me? We need to remind ourselves first of the great gospel that is that Jesus served us and brought us in to God's presence, into prayer, so that we can pray. Let's do that now. Father God, you say that your house will be a house of prayer. Your people are your house. Your bride is the temple of On which we are a stone in that. Both in your universal church, but also here as a church family, a church body. So I ask for these people, for us, that we can embody prayer. Drawing into your throne room. Drawing into a place before you that we don't deserve, but you have gifted us. Through the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus, we want to walk through this life thinking about you, drawing close to you, and taking the names of our brothers, our sisters, those who aren't here yet before your throne, praising you, worshiping you, asking you, Lord, may our hearts be more in tune where we want to pray, we want to draw close to You in all that we do. Spirit, help us with that. Give us the living water to go about our lives so that in all we do, we aren't just...